to another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell. I'm joined by Matt Williamson. Matt, how's it going today? It's going great, man. How are you? You're a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover here. This is always that, I don't know how long you've been doing this, but I've been you know, in the media now. This will be my 11th season. We're just starting the 11th year, and plus being with teams for three years before that. At this stage of the of the NFL season, I'm always in a little bit of no man's land for a week or two until I get my feet under me. I mean, it's always groundhog day to this point. You got games on Sunday and you're always talking about something about to come. Now it's kind of like, okay, I mean, let's start looking at free agents and draft and whatnot. But my my life changes a lot right about this time of year every year. Yeah, that's that's understandable. I think this is the time where uh, a lot of football fans, your typical football fans, uh, just step back and and relax and reassess things. Uh, but it's it's the ideal time for dynasty owners to to really dig in. Uh, look forward to some of the things you mentioned: the NFL Combine, the draft, free agency, and and we'll be talking about all those things over the next few weeks. But this is this is just prime time for dynasty players. It is. However, I'm not sure if you have this issue, and I don't. We've even told people this, but we kind of met through one of your hyperactive leagues. You're the commissioner in it, and I took over a garbage team. I kind of like what I'm doing in that league, by the way. I'm going to be on your heels pretty soon. You've been kind of the big dog in that league for a while. But anyways, I, I see it true in that one and my other four leagues. I wanted to bring it up to you if you're seeing it right now, where it's hard to make deals right now. You know, I'm kicking the tires on a lot of people. I'm, I'm asking about a lot of guys, but I'm not getting a lot done right now. And I think part of the problem is, and myself included, your average dynasty player just doesn't know the value of his 1.07. You know what I mean? Like I'm not willing to trade that yet. I mean, not me, but I mean, just Joe blow dynasty guy. I'm not willing to go trading my first round pick. Cause I don't know exactly what it's worth yet. So I kind of feel like in the dynasty cycle in the dynasty year, this is a little bit of a downtime, but everyone's also kind of chomping at the bit too. Do you agree with me? Yeah, I definitely do. Um, and you know, like I said, there's um, this is the downtime for for many guys and, and including dynasty players. You know, there's uh, it, it. We're we're in the minority. You know, being being guys who focus on dynasty basically every day of the year. So there are plenty of people, even in in our leagues, which are pretty competitive leagues, that that do just want to take that break. They want to sit back, see what happens in in some of these upcoming um, NFL events and see what see how their uh, value of those draft picks and and maybe some of their potential free agents might change in the next few weeks. Yeah, and I also want to, you know, while we're on this topic, we didn't really talk about, you know, discuss talking about this originally where we kind of drew up the, the game plan of tonight's show. But I just starting last night, I started throwing out offers. You know, I mean, I think I threw out probably a dozen offers throughout my five leagues just you know, targeting a handful of guys, kicking the tires. I bet all those guys come back as rejects. And I think, you know, I lowballed some people, not, you know, grotesquely, but, you know, just trying to get some things talking. And maybe some, uh, uh, what my point is, is this time of year, maybe you can get, get somebody on the cheap with an owner that's anxious to do something or, you know, his team hasn't been relevant for two months and he wants to make a change just to make a change. Yeah, I've seen I've seen the theory just about the volume in trade offers. Um, you, you know, if you're throwing out one trade offer per league per week, you're not going to get much done. No. But you know, if you're if you're making an offer to every team every single week and, and making a good strong offer, you're going to make some dynasty trades. And and of course, you're not going to win all those. Um, but that that volume of offers can really be beneficial to your team. Yeah, as long as you don't mind hearing no, and I certainly don't. Um, I'm a big proponent of the more active you are, the better off you are. And if I can make 100 trades and I make one cent on the dollar on every deal, you know, I trade you a dollar for, you know, I trade you 99 cents for a dollar worth of your players, and I do that 100 times, well, that, that starts to add up, you know. And um, what I've been doing this, this last couple of days is, you know, sitting, going back, looking at my roster finding two or three players on each roster that aren't garbage, you know, that have some value. Jonathan Stewart was one, you know, I'm just people saw him lately and just looking around my leagues and saying, there's four teams in my league that could possibly have interest in this guy. And let's see what I can get. And they'll all say no. 
Yeah, but you, you know, you've got, like you said, if you don't mind hearing no, you've right. got to uh, got to throw those offers out and see what happens. Absolutely, uh, and I'm a big proponent. And I think I drive some people crazy too, but you know, such is life. <laughs> well, let's talk about this this big game that we all witnessed on on Sunday. Of course, the Super Bowl. Um, I, I was surprised. You know, we talked last week uh, in our Super Bowl preview. We both felt like Carolina would uh, would win the game, and even though it was a close game. Carolina was never really in the game. Um, it was, you know, that Denver defense was just just dominating. So um, I know you've done some writing on this um, over these past few days. So so just dive in. Tell us what you saw um, as a scout, as as an NFL personnel guy. Yeah, and you know, probably by the time most people start listening to this, it'll be Wednesday. This game will be three or four days old, give or take. Um, and some of this will be yesterday's news, but. You know, whenever we talked about the preview of the game, I did take Carolina. I thought they would win 27-17. I thought their you know, running game would eventually pay off. But I also said at the time, you know, and I was asked this 100 times leading up to the game, what are some scenarios of how Denver could win this game? And I said, well, they have to win the turnover battle, but I don't think they will because Manning will throw a couple picks. They have to dominate on special teams, and I think they will do that. That To me, that was a huge advantage that they had. And to me, that was a monster part of this game that not pe- enough people were talking about. I mean, McManus was perfect. Carolina's kicker hit the upright on one. Colquitt was phenomenal. And, you know, I forget the, the exact key situation, but Carolina's punter blasts one into the end zone on one of those, you know, should we should we kick a field goal? Should we go for it on fourth? All you got to do is drop it in the 20. He blasted it in the end zone. That makes me insane, by the way. Then there's also, you know, that should have been a fair catch. And everyone in their right mind should have put his arm up in that situation because he was going to get blasted by three guys. He didn't do it. And everyone stands around and he busts off like a 61 or 60-some yard punt return. I mean, that was gigantic. So those were two things that were very much in Denver's favor. And I also thought that, you know, for Denver to win this game, their secondary would, would have to utterly shut down a very mediocre group of receivers. And that absolutely was the case too. I mean, Von Miller was awesome. DeMarcus Ware was awesome. Their pass rush was great. But I don't think any of those things happened without what's going on in the back end. You know, Cam Newton's receivers did not help him at all. Yeah, it was it was really, really a surprising, you know, turnout from, from a lot of different aspects. Um, let's think about these two teams going forward next year, though. Even though Carolina lost the game, I think the consensus is probably that they're in a better position going forward. Um, I think most of their, their offense is coming back next year. Uh, the same is true of the majority of their defense. I, I believe Norman is a free agent, so uh, yes. maybe lock him up or, or even put that franchise tag on him. Kelvin Benjamin coming back uh, healthy. So it seems like there's expectations that Carolina could be right back in contention again next year. Is that how right. you see it? Yeah, absolutely. And and this is kind of my specialty this time of year is team needs and who to bring back and who not to, and then what direction you go in the draft and how do you set yourself up for the draft and whatnot. And you hit on the head. I mean, we'll get to Denver in a minute, but Carolina's off season is much rosier than Denver's. You know, first of all, they bring back the league MVP where Denver has huge questions at quarterback and everyone seems to think, Oh, that's not a big deal. Let's play great defense again. Well, I don't think that's the case. Um, you mentioned Norman. I don't think he goes anywhere. They have a fair amount of cap space. They franchise him or lock him up long-term. They get a couple of those other defensive backs back from injury. They get Benjamin back from injury. And then, you know, they could move on from Jared Allen um, Charles Johnson's a defensive end that's costing a lot of money. But as we saw in the Super Bowl, Coney Ely's ready to step in and be an every down player. So I look at their offseason needs and think another defensive end would certainly make sense, especially if they move away from Johnson, who's been okay. Um, we saw their offensive tackles get exposed. I mean, it, it wouldn't shock me at all with the 30 pit, 30th pick in the draft. They take an offensive tackle to add to the mix. But the rest of the offense, to me, is pretty well set, you know, especially if you look at it from a fantasy dynasty perspective. Um, do you think that maybe they could bring in a running back? I, I, that wouldn't blow me away. I mean, somebody that's better than Artis Payne, you know, Stewart's not a young guy and he's got an injury history, a third-round running back type guy. I mean, I, I don't think that would shock me. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I don't think, you know, Artis Payne got his chance in a couple of those games that Stewart was injured. I don't think he's, you know, he's not long for the league. Uh, he's certainly not a he's future just a starter. Guy. Yeah, right. he's just a guy. Yeah. And, and he's, he's an old guy. You know, he's a rookie just finishing his rookie year, but um, he's already 25 years old, I believe. So oh, um, I didn't know that. that yeah. That's a, huge, that's a huge knock against a running back. Right. Right. So yeah, drafting a, a running back and, you know, late day two, early day three of the draft is, is definitely something that Carolina could, could consider. And that's a pretty good landing spot. You know I mean? The more I think about it, if on when your rookie draft rolls around for dynasty reasons and a third round running back ends up in Carolina, you would think before, you know, he even gets there, he's their number two in a dominant running game behind an injury prone starter. Who's, you know, on the, on the back nine of his career. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, even artist pain got a little boost in value last year when he ended up in Carolina for some of those same reasons and, uh, and just didn't do much with it. No, let's, uh, let's look at Denver. You mentioned a couple of their, um, players and their decisions they have this off season. I, I did have a chuckle, uh, Sunday morning, one of the national reporters, I think it was Ian Rappaport maybe, uh, tweeted out that the, Broncos faced a, a big decision this offseason in who to place the franchise tag on, either Von Miller <laughs> or Brock Osweiler. Um, so I think uh, if that was any type of decision, I, th- I think that was uh, uh, was answered in the play of the of the Super Bowl MVP Miller. Um, so let's let's assume they they bring him back with the tag. You know they've got questions at quarterback. They're probably going to lose their backup running back Hillman. Uh, their, their wide receivers have some issues. Even Demarius Thomas has, has been quiet the last uh, month or six weeks of the season. This team has a lot of questions. What, what do you see, Matt? A lot of questions. I mean, I've read some articles by people I know and respect around that do, you know, what I've done for the last 10 years that are saying Denver could be a dynasty. I don't think so. I mean, I, I don't at all. I mean, congrats to them, but the way they play football they have to win games like we saw on Sunday, and that's how all their games have gone this year. They keep it close. They win in the end. Um, that's a tough That's a tough road, though. I mean, there's little room for error in that way of playing football, and their defense was dominant, but their defense is going to take a step back. Vaughn Miller, what we saw, if you haven't watched him all year, that's who the guy is. I mean, that's not just a fluke that he played well in the Super Bowl. He's a great, great player. He's one of the top five defensive players in the league. He absolutely will get franchised or locked up to a long-term deal. On the other side, DeMarcus Ware, they could save like $9 million going away from him. And they have some guys behind him. You know, they used the first-round pick on Ray. Uh, they have some guys behind him that are stepping up pretty well. Uh, so uh, that's a possibility. That would not be a fan-favorite move at all. Uh, Malik Jackson is a defensive end that's going to make a fortune and probably get more than he deserves. But he's a very good player. Um, could probably be a three-technique. He's a five-technique in the three-four. Every-down player, very good pass rusher. They locked up Wolf. I, I think keeping Jackson will be difficult. Trevathan, the linebacker, is also going to be up for free agency. And I look at teams like – there's three teams that come to mind. Tennessee, Oakland, and Jacksonville have a ton of cap space. And I could see them paying you know these young defensive stalwarts like crazy. I mean, much more than Denver can can deal with, especially the Raiders, taking them away from a division foe. Uh, their secondary will be back. But let's talk about the offense. I mean, they're going to cut Peyton Manning. And that's going to save them, I think, $14, 15000000 They'll probably cut Ryan Clady, who's another seven or eight, I think. So that, that opens up a lot of space. Don't get me wrong. But they're going to have to franchise Miller. That's gigantic. And they don't have a quarterback. I mean, Osweiler's a free agent, like you mentioned. And I have massive questions about him. I'm curious your thoughts on Osweiler. Um, but he's not going to be cheap. I mean, he's going to want to get paid like a starting quarterback. I really like C.J. Anderson, and I think we'll have to set a, a, a second aside to talk about him, you know, dynasty value and whatnot. But Hillman's a free agent. I mean, I don't think you can just live with C.J. Anderson as your only back. Their tight ends are kind of a mess. The Vernon Davis situation didn't work out at all. He's going to be gone. Uh, they did use a draft pick on Hireman out of Ohio State last year, and I think he could be a, a guy for them. You mentioned receiver. They're not going away from Demarius Thomas, but they don't have a third guy at all. <laughs> I mean, they, they certainly could use – a slot guy, or I'd love to see Latimer step up. We've talked about him. I mean, the chance of that happening seems slim and none. Their best offensive lineman this year, Evan Mathis, is a free agent. 
So they might need three starting offensive linemen. I mean, their offensive line was dreadful this year. So if people look at it, I'm like, oh, they'll be back. Their defense will be great. Well, Elway's going to have to have a heck of an offseason because you can't live with that offense. Yeah, and, and Elway, I think, has proven to be one of the best uh, personnel guys in, in the game in, in a relatively short time. You know, a, a ton of those players, many of the guys you just mentioned, were free agent signings uh, by Elway in the first place. So um, he's proven he can do it, but he definitely has a, a big task in front of him. And it wouldn't even surprise me if this team went from Super Bowl champ to to missing the playoffs next year. You know, there's no way their defense plays as well as it as well as it did last year or this this past season. You know, it's, right. I mean, that's one of the all time great performances over the full season. So regression there is is obvious, especially when they're losing some of those guys. The quarterback issue is huge. Um, yeah, this. That team is is in is in some trouble. I, really going to be an interesting team to watch this offseason. Uh, but but good for them. They went all in and they and they got the ring. You know, if you fall short, then you're like, man. I mean, now we got all these problems. But they they did they come they got their goal. I mean, they they're hoisting the Lombardi Trophy. That's what the league's all about. Oh, exactly. You mentioned the uh, the Harriman kid from Ohio State. You know, he he got hurt. He missed his entire rookie season. I I really like, you know, bits and pieces of what I've been hearing about him. And I think he's he's a great dynasty stash. I've I grabbed him in every league I could find a spot um earlier this offseason, just just in the past few weeks. And uh I did but, too in two leagues, you know, and I don't love him, but he's gonna play and I mean I would think he's their starter next year. Yeah, I, I was thinking the same thing, you know, which which kind of seems like a stretch for a guy who's never taken a snap and and missed his first season with an injury. But Vernon Davis is a free agent. He's gone. I can't yeah. imagine they would re-sign him. Both Daniels and Virgil Green are still under contract for next year, but they're both also do some some pretty hefty raises. I doubt they would cut them both, but I could I could see them certainly uh, dumping one of those guys in a salary cap move, and, and then giving Harriman a shot to compete for the job. Yeah, Daniels is obviously a Kubiak favorite like none other. I mean, followed him from Houston to Baltimore, now to Denver. But he's not a very good player. And one thing we know about Kubiak is he's going to use a lot of double tight end sets too. So Harriman's going to see the field a lot. I'm curious your – let's get back to Dynasty. What are your thoughts on Osweiler and C.J. Anderson after what we've seen and assuming Peyton Manning's gone? Well, Anderson's a pretty easy one. You know, he's he's been on a roll these these last few weeks. He's easily outplayed Hillman, who who was just terrible on Sunday. Um, and I think Hillman's definitely gone uh, if he gets even a sniff from another team. Um, so Anderson is the starter. He's he's not quite back to his dynasty value of the at the end of the 2014 season, but I think he's pretty close. I think he's definitely in that conversation to be a top 12 dynasty running back. Uh, value-wise, you know, if you're talking about ADP or, or where these players are getting drafted in the offseason. But I also think there's enough of a, a bad taste in in some owner's mouth from his play earlier in the season that he could be had at, at a pretty nice price. So I think Anderson's a buy. Um, I think he could be had for probably a late first-round rookie pick, especially as we get closer to the uh, to those rookie drafts where, where the rookie fever hits. Um, so he, yeah, he's a player I'm buying. Um, as far as Osweiler, you know, there's just so many um, cheap quarterbacks when it comes to dynasty around the league. I mean, even a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's going to be the starter again in in New York. I saw him dropped in in one of my dynasty leagues today, and you know, I'd easily rather take a, take a shot and, and roster a guy like Fitzpatrick for for free than you know, then pay something for Osweiler who may or may not be the starter. Yeah. And again, I mean, I would assume Osweiler's back in Denver and if I'm him, that's a pretty sweet situation. You know, you're going to have a very good defense. You just won the title. I would think you might take a little less to return home to a system that fits you. But if I'm Denver, I still might use a third round pick on the position or bring in, Matt Moore or, you know, I mean, some one of these, you know, journeyman type, you know, quarterbacks who can't just live with Osweiler and just hope he's fine. I mean, he showed some serious warts this year, too. As for their running back position, I mean, I laid out what I think their offseason is going to be entailed. But 
I hope that Ezekiel Elliott's not sitting there in the first round and they say, I just have to have him. You know what I mean? Or Derrick Henry's there in the second round and they take him. And that would mess up C.J. Anderson, I think, substantially. But I just look at Denver and think, boy, they have so many other needs. I would be shocked that that they use a, a premium pick on a running back. Yeah, I agree. Especially, you know, once some of these defenders leave, of course, we'll see free agency in March. So um, those moves, for the most part, will all be decided. They'll they'll know what they're looking at as far as their their lineup. So I, I have a hard time seeing seeing that happen happening. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of leaving a bad taste in in our mouths, Cam Newton, you know, he he was um, getting all of the attention over the past two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl and, and well-deserved, uh, had easily his best year as a pro and and won the MVP uh, award earlier uh, in the week, but then played uh, by far his worst game of the season, turning the ball over, um, being unable to find uh, find receivers, and then and then when he did, receivers as, as they have really all year, dropping the ball. Um, so where does Cam's dynasty value sit with you right now? Unchanged. I mean, I still think he's an absolute dynasty stud. Um, I'm not the kind of guy that ever is going to go make a big trade for a Newton, a Rogers, a Luck. I mean, unless my team's just ridiculous and that's the only thing I need and I have stuff to burn, which is never the case. Um, so I would never be a buyer, a big, you know, a buyer on a very expensive quarterback. But I can still make the argument that he's the dynasty one quarterback. Yeah, quarterback's such an interesting position um, over the past couple of years. We've seen guys like, you know, Carson Palmer. I mentioned Fitzpatrick, Kirk Cousins. Guys like that have have turned in, you know, have turned in quarterback one seasons. And even if you have that advantage of, of a cam or, or, like you said, Rodgers or Luck uh, um, when they're playing up to their ability, they almost don't have – that much trade value despite you know the the awesome play that we see on the field so if you have a guy like that one of those top quarterbacks you, you're just better off keeping them yeah and i'm curious what you think about that. i have a feeling we're the same on this too but i i got into several discussions arguments about you know startup drafts there was a handful of people saying just give me andrew luck first overall and i'll start him for the next 12 years and i never have to worry about that position and i'm like Dude, I, I, just give me, you know, I'll, I'll take a quarterback in the ninth round. I'll take Phillip Rivers or somebody and be loaded everywhere else while you're starting luck. I mean, I understand the allure if you're that type of owner, especially if you're not as, you know, as knowledgeable as you or I are or somebody that does this for a living. But no, by no way would I pay that kind of price for one of these premium quarterbacks in a startup. No, I agree. Um, and and one of the guys that I respect, you know, most in – in this, uh, you know, in this hobby of ours, Chris Wessling from, uh, oh, he's very good. Yeah. Yeah. Formerly of, of Roto world. He's, he's at NFL.com now. And, and Chris has made, uh, made the point that he would take luck. Um, you know, this is, this is last off season. So um, right. maybe he would say cam now or, but, but he was a proponent of taking, taking luck number one overall in a dynasty startup. And, and just that, just that mindset of, I don't have to worry about that position for 10 years, which I, I obviously see that that point. But considering the low cost of some of these other quarterbacks, um, I would rather just, you know, I would rather just roster one of those guys and, and have to make some roster decisions along the way. Right. And if you get in a bind, you can always trade your second round pick for next year's Carson Palmer type guy. You know I mean? Yeah. There's always somebody selling a quarterback. There's always an extra guy. I've never been in one of these two quarterback leagues, but obviously that's a totally different animal. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think it was Wes. And I, th I think Wes does an aw awesome job. We're going to have to get him on the show now because I remember getting into some battles with him on Twitter about how I thought he was bonkers. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if he if he still uh, still has that opinion. <clears throat> well, let's move over. Maybe um, another piece of big news that came out of Super Bowl Sunday uh, was, of course, the retirement of Marshawn Lynch, who who announced his retirement with a, a tweet, uh, that unique tweet with the uh, the shoes hanging up, hanging up the cleats and and the uh, just the, happened to time it in about eight minutes left in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, not to steal any thunder from anybody or, you know, right. just a, just happened to do that. A total accident, I'm sure. 
Yeah, that that was interesting. So this this is something that I think most of us saw coming. Um, I think we've built that into our value of of Lynch. You know, I haven't I haven't seen him traded. In, you know, in in weeks and weeks. So I I think everybody probably knew this was coming. If you had him on your roster, you knew it was probably going to be a guy you would just uh, be dropping. Um, of but of course the player that it has the real impact on going forward is Thomas Rawls, the the former undrafted rookie uh, out of Central Michigan, had just an amazing year taking over for for Lynch when he was injured. What do you think this does to Rawls' value going forward in dynasty leagues? Yeah, the the minute that Lynch didn't get on the plane to the Minnesota playoff game, I sent a tweet out saying. Dynasty owners, if you want to buy Rawls at all cheap, do it today because, I mean, to me, this was kind of the writing on the wall that he's not going to be back, plus his contract situation, too. So this is not a shocker. Um, again, you know, you look at Seattle's offseason, they have a lot of other needs besides running back, and especially their offensive line. They you know, Russell Okun's a, a free agent. I mean, he's their best guy, and he's hard to count on. They might need three starters on their offensive line. Curse, the wide receiver, is a free agent. Jimmy Graham's banged up. So I think they need to add, as much as I like Lockett and Baldwin, especially Lockett, I think they need to add some kind of receiving threat with size, too. So, you know, you, you look at their priority list, I would think running back falls pretty low on the list, especially as good as Rawls looked. And they're going to be more of a passing team. It's going to be more Wilson's team than opposed to Lynch's team, as it has been in the past, his offense. But they almost have to add somebody. I mean, you can't go with Rawls and Michael and say, oh, I'm all good. I just wonder where that'll be. I mean, my hunch is probably the fourth round, give or take. Right, right. You know, just like I said that um, the dynasty owners have seen this coming with Marshawn Lynch, I think they've seen it coming with Thomas Rawls, too. You know, he's already sure. being valued as as a top 10 dynasty running back. And um you know, waiting until Lynch has made this official to uh, to go out and buy Rawls is is not the way to do things in Dynasty. So no, that's um, definition of buying high, right? Um, so at this point, he's he's definitely not a player I would suggest buying. Um, I would I would strongly consider selling him if I had him on my roster. I, you know, people are. I mentioned him as being a top ten running back. Some people are all, already valuing him in that top five. Uh, and, you know, after after Bell, after Gurley, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of parity there that that third or that second tier is is a deep one with um, some of the guys who broke out this past year. Uh, Devontae I think David Johnson's pretty clearly third, in my opinion. I, I don't know if everyone thinks that way, but the top two are pretty set. I think David Johnson's third and then the Freeman neighborhood, but I, I can see your point. You know, that someone could easily make the argument for Rawls. I wouldn't, but I can see what you're saying. Right. So if I can get, um, you know, if I can get that kind of value, if people are valuing him as running back three, four, five, or, or so on, then then he's a player I'd I'd consider selling. Would you take one five for him right this second? Um, no. But no, you'd I, definitely take one two. Yes, I would take one two. So. One two for me right now is Ezekiel Elliott, and um, you know once those rookies get mixed in with the with the current NFL players, I, I would expect I'd probably have Elliott ranked as my running back four, something like that, maybe even as, as high as three if he lands in a great spot. Um, you know now now admittedly I probably would have said the same for uh, Melvin Gordon last year. You know he's one of the top running backs coming out. He landed in what looked like a great spot and, and that obviously didn't work out one year sure. in. So, so uh, you know, that's, that's just how dynasty works. Those young guys, they, they carry that, that value and you just have to choose to, to believe in that and invest in that or not and, and go from there. But let's say you could get Rashad Perryman and a 2017 random first round pick. You do that in a heartbeat, right? For Thomas Rawls, definitely, yeah. yeah those yeah. those twenty seventeen too lofty, yeah. Yeah, those twenty seventeen first are are picks that everyone should be collecting uh, as much as possible, and, and not even just the first. That draft, uh, you know, this happens every year too. That 
<laughs> the grass always looks greener next exactly, year. Exactly, exactly. That next year always always looks so great. But but with guys like Leonard Fournette, Nick Chubb, and Juju Smith, it's it's really looking like like an unbelievable class. So but, you but, absolutely believe that, right? I mean, you know this way better than I do. I mean, but you you would stake your reputation that next year's draft is better than this one. I mean, yes. from what I've seen from this one, it's worse than the last two for sure. I think it's worse than last. Uh, yeah, I think it's worse than last two. Um, I do. I really like the depth of of that second tier, though. Um, okay. So the issue there is if you have one three, one four. I don't know if there's much difference between those picks and a late first round pick. So if if right now if I have the one three, one four, if I'm not in love with one of those guys in that tier, like a Josh Dotson or or Tyler Boyd then I'm looking to move down right now and, and pick up, you know, pick up maybe a, a 2017 pick on top of that, that I can use for that great class next year. It's funny you said that because I did make one deal since we talked last that league that I was trying to get Odell Beckham, where I have six picks in the top 15, including one, two, I took one, three and moved back to one, five. I gave him Safarian Jenkins and I got Duke Johnson. Like to me, one, three and one, five aren't that much different. He also threw in Robert Griffin III, who, yeah, he might help out at some point. But I'm a Duke Johnson believer. I'm not a Safarian Jenkins believer. To me, that was very worth it. Yeah, I don't, I don't see much difference in those those picks right now. Um, I think I mentioned this last week. I do expect that one three to gain some value, but I also like Duke Johnson. So yeah, I like that deal for you. That's that's a good a good move. I think you did have a good point though last week that right now one three doesn't look so good. But if Henry ends up in Dallas at the beginning of the second round, or, you know, I mean, something big is going to happen between now and your rookie draft, and that pick's only going to go up in value as opposed to some of the others. Right. I mean, that that second tier, you know, it's it's seven or eight or nine players deep. So one of those players is going to just destroy the combine and, and see his value yeah. explode. Or and one go of those, to the right team. Right. Or one of those players is going to go to the perfect team, like you said, with uh, Derek Henry and, and Dallas, something like that. So the one three is going to gain a lot of value. I think the one four could even, uh, with the depth of that tier, the one four could even gain quite a bit of value as well. Yeah. And then it might be really time to trade those picks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, before we, uh, leave this topic, let's just, I'd like to really quickly hear your thoughts on, um, Marshawn Lynch as a potential hall of famer. We talked about Calvin Johnson, um, Earlier on a on an earlier episode, we both agreed he was a definite Hall of Famer. Um, I think Marshawn Lynch is is a tougher case. Um, you know, he's definitely a, a unique character. Um, probably one of those that's not always well liked by the media. You know, we saw that uh, maybe maybe that's the reason T.O. did not make the Hall of Fame uh, this in these past few days that was announced. Um, could we see the same with, with Lynch? And, and in general, do you think he is a future Hall of Famer? First off, I think it's crazy that T.O. did not go. I mean, yeah. uh, to me, he's one of the best five receivers ever lived. I mean, he's yep. the definition of a Hall of Fame football player. Anyways, the second Lynch threw up his spikes, I threw out on Twitter that he'll go to the Hall of Fame someday. You know, I mean, not necessarily first ballot. And if you look at this first ballot, kind of like you mentioned, it could have Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson, Calvin Johnson, Marshawn Lynch, Maybe DeMarcus Ware, maybe Jared Allen. You know, I mean, just people that could retire this year is a pretty awesome group. But anyways, um, usually in the Hall of Fame, I make my decision up like this. Like somebody says a name and it's, yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. You, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. it, without doing all the homework and without doing all the homework. And they said Lynch. I'm like, yeah. I mean, he was a massive piece to a great team. He has the highlight tapes. He has Super Bowls. He's, you know, a phenomenal football player. But then some people started tweeting me back and said, you know, 29, he's only 30th on the all-time rushing list. It's like, oh, really? I mean, it, it, does he go in over Terrell Davis? I mean, I, I, I can't say they put him in over LaDainian Tomlinson or Adrian Peterson or a couple of these guys that he's going to be going up against in these next couple of years. So I do think he goes, but against my rule of you know, that immediate reaction, I bet his stats aren't as pretty as you think. Yeah, I was actually looking at some of his numbers today, and and I was also surprised. Um, Chris Johnson has more rushing yards than than wow. Lynch. Yeah, and I don't think they're close in the Hall of Fame conversation. Right, exactly. And and Chris Johnson is another guy. He could, 
you know, this, this could be it for him, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe he has no interest in, in free agency and he hangs it up. So, uh, but I was surprised to see a guy like Johnson and I agree it, it you know, it, it needs to be that, that gut reaction, a yes or no. And mine would be yes with Lynch as well. But as I dig into some of the numbers, eh, maybe not, you know, and, and he left Buffalo on bad terms. They basically right. gave up on him. Uh, you know, that's a bad years there too. Exactly. And he was, he was a guy that was uh, speaking of Buffalo, giving up on him. Dynasty owners gave up on him. You know, he, he struggled in Buffalo. They traded him away for whatever they could get. And, and dynasty players were doing the same thing, um, you know, five or six years ago. That was before my time. That's a good dynasty lesson. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, um, You know, in the end, I guess I guess we'll be waiting a few years to see if Lynch is a Hall of Famer. We both think he'll make it, but probably not. Probably not on that first ballot, especially with the the big dogs that are going in the same year. I mean, Calvin Payton, you know, that's a rough crow. Yeah, exactly. Well, I know this is this next topic is one you've been thinking about and and uh, really doing your homework on over these past couple weeks, and and one we want to spend a little bit of time today looking at. So. Recently, the Philadelphia Eagles hired a new head coach to replace Chip Kelly. They hired Doug Peterson. So Peterson was a former Philadelphia quarterback years and years ago. He was a quarterback coach for, for the Eagles under Andy Reid. And then he went to Kansas City with Reid to be their offensive coordinator. Um, I don't think necessarily of, of the Kansas City offense as, as a powerhouse where, you know, you've just got to get a piece of that offense and 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 you know, get their coordinator to uh, give that promotion to be a head coach. Their their offense this year, their total offense ranked 27th in the league. Their pass offense was 30th. They did have the sixth ranked rushing offense. So that's that's what Peterson brings to the Eagles. Um, <clears throat> lots of moves that have been telling already with Philadelphia uh, just in his short time there. Uh, both of the top two tight ends, Brent Selleck and Zach Ertz, have been given contract extensions. And there's lots of rumors circulating about what they're going to do at quarterback. Sam Bradford, their starter this past season, is a free agent. And there's been a report that they're not going to place the franchise tag on him. There have been rumors that they are interested in bringing back Nick Foles, who, of course, they traded uh, in the Bradford deal last offseason. Uh, I was kind of surprised by that rumor. And and then I've even seen some reports or or I guess more of suggestions that Peterson could bring Chase Daniel, the the Chiefs backup quarterback with him uh, and maybe give him a shot at the starting uh, the starting quarterback job. So that's a lot a lot to digest there. But like I said, I know you've been doing your homework on on this Eagles situation. What do you what do you see happening in Philadelphia? Yeah, I just think they're a fun team to talk about because they're one of the few teams that started making their moves already. You know, they're signing their own. You know, they also signed Vinny Curry. You know, they signed Schwartz to be their defensive coordinator. They're moving to a four three. They're going to be a wide nine. Brandon Graham and Vinny Curry as your 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 outside defensive ends, which is exactly what Andy Reid drafted both those guys to do way back when. And Fletcher Cox was drafted to be a three technique in a four three. And all those guys did pretty well in a 3-4, but they were thrown in. They were the square peg in the round hole situation. So what it's, what these moves tell me with the hiring of Peterson and what they've done since is no offense to Chip Kelly, but boy, we miss Andy Reid. <laughs> you know, I mean, we want to do things the way that Andy used to do things around here. And we're going to have double tight end sets. We're going to try to mimic what's going on in Kansas City right now with edge rushers, a fast, aggressive defense, although it's a 4-3 opposed to a 3-4. And, you know, we're going to stress offensive linemen. They signed Lane Johnson. Wouldn't shock me at all if they use a very early pick on a guard. Um, that's an Andy Reid type of move, too. He loves drafting big guys early. I, I think they will absolutely be going down that road. And they're going to run the football. I mean, they know they're not going to have Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady as their quarterback. I mean, at best, they're going to have Sam Bradford or Chase Daniels or somebody along those lines. So they're going to have to do the Alex Smith routine here of, not hide your quarterback, but, you know, make life easy on them. I mean, hand the ball off a lot, play good defense, win tight games. And that's really going to be their formula. And I think their offseason moves are screaming that to us right now, that we know who we are. 
And contrary to popular belief, and Eagles fans might not even agree with me, but I thought Sam Bradford played very well the second half of the season. And he was an easy guy to bash. But think about his situation. Last year, he comes over from the Rams to Chip Kelly's offense, which is totally new. He didn't play hardly at all during the preseason. He was injured when he got to Philadelphia. There's all these moving parts there. The, the offense isn't clicking, and, and certainly he had something to do with it. They had no speed at, 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 at wide receiver, which was a staple of Chip Kelly's offense, was throwing bombs to Deshaun Jackson and Macklin, and he got rid of them for some reason. I absolutely think they have to get speed at receiver this offseason. But I thought he played quite well the second half of the season. And like Alex Smith, I mean, he has the protect-the-football tendencies. I mean, he can be a non-risk taker to um, a detriment, obviously. But that might work for them. I mean, if I were the Eagles, I certainly wouldn't franchise Bradford. He's not worth that money. And I wouldn't have any interest in Nick Foles. But if you could give me Chase Daniel, Sam Bradford, and a third-round pick at quarterback, I'll go with that. I mean, that's best-case scenario for Philadelphia. A lot of great points there, Matt, and and a lot of dynasty impact on this. Yes, yeah, there is. Um, so so let's assume, at least for the short term, at least for 2016, uh, there's not really a quarterback we want to consider on this team. Um, is I guess my first question would be: Is Jordan Matthews a good enough player to uh, still be a fantasy producer on a on a run heavy team like that? Yeah, I'm, you're asking the wrong guy because I own him nowhere. I've never been a fan. I know his combine numbers were good, but I don't think he plays like that type of athlete. I'm a non-Jordan Matthews believer from day one, what he cost in rookie drafts up till now. Um, if I owned him, I'm not saying I'd dump him, but he's certainly not a target of mine. I think you could get Aguilar on the cheap. I think Ertz is going to be their Travis Kelsey light. And you know, late in the 2014 season, I told everyone that would listen, please get rid of DeMarco Murray while you can off your dynasty team as Dallas running him, runs him into the ground. And that that and he's the last type of guy that I would ever target in, in dynasty. But he might be the ultimate buy low right now. I mean, if they run the ball like crazy, he reworks his deal. He may have a bounce back season. And, and then you trade him in week six for a nice profit. Although... Ryan Matthews is somewhere I own everywhere because I think he is a much more talented player than DeMarco Murray. Wow. That's, that's a big statement. I do think, yeah. I do think Murray is the, the obvious buy um, coming out of these moves that the Eagles have made, especially considering his prices is, is much lower than it was a year ago coming off that awesome season that he had for Dallas. Um, and and kind of like CJ Anderson, you know, Murray owners yeah. have a bad taste in their mouth. Uh, he awful he, taste, awful taste in their mouth. And, and he could, you know, maybe he could be had, uh, below market value as a throw in, you know, or you're not a throw in, but th- give me, give me Murray and that'll complete the deal type of deal. I mean, not like he's just a total bottom of the roster nonsense guy, but I bet nobody's coveting him and I could see him bouncing back in this system. You know, we saw, West and where, and those guys run really well for Kansas city and their line wasn't very good. Yeah. I, I do still think Murray has, you know, if nothing else, he has that name value that, that props him up or props his value up more, maybe more than you're suggesting. I still think he yeah. cost, I think he cost at least a, a late first round pick. Like I said, oh, to Anderson. So like, uh, I'd much rather have Anderson. Like to me, they're not even close. Oh, wow. They're, they're pretty close for me. I'm not sure. Okay. I'm not sure who I'd rather have right now. Um, well, you mentioned Nelson Aguilar. And well, I wish I had. I wish you had Anderson, and I wish I had <laughs> Marco and hyperactive four right now. We we might be able to strike a deal. <laughs> um, you you mentioned Aguilar, the the rookie receiver out of out of USC. He was a first round rookie pick in most drafts last year, and and just had a disappointing year. You know, we're we've become a little spoiled with uh, expecting production right away, and and Aguilar did not give that. Um, in Kansas city last year, we saw Jeremy Macklin have, have one of his best years, um, as a pro, but there wasn't really a second option uh, outside of Kelsey. There wasn't a re- really a second receiver there that, that demanded targets. Aguilar is, is a guy I'm probably going to stay away from. I've actually, uh, did a study last off season that, that I'll continue this year looking at ADP and how, 
how rookies value changes from year one to year two. And, and even those rookies that, that disappoint and struggle, their value does not change much. So it's a great point. Um, even though Aguilar, you know, had, had just, you know, a pretty disappointing year overall, I don't think his owners are, are just desperate to dump him for a, you know, a late second rounder. I think he's, he's a guy that most people are either going to hold or, or they're still looking for, for a late first round pick. So I, I don't think he's a guy you can necessarily go out and, and just buy dirt cheap and take a shot on. But if you have that opportunity, if you do find that guy, I would suggest doing that, you know, just, just to see what, what happens there. Yeah, that's well said. There's a lot of points I want to kind of reiterate there. And I said, yeah, maybe you can get Aguilar cheap. I was wrong about that. I don't think you can. You know, I, I, my buddies over at Under the Helmet, I'm sure you're familiar w- with with those guys over oh, there, yeah. too, Parsons and Veach. They do a great job. Um, they always call it rookie, you know, insulated. You know, that if you draft somebody high, White, Perriman, uh, Aguilar, you know, even Melvin Gordon to some degree, that they're even if they have terrible years, they remain their value is pretty insulated. You know, they don't drop off the face of, the, of a cliff right away. Yeah, exactly. I think I think um, that's a good term for it, and and that that really backs up um, the study I did. I remember this time last year, I was looking at a guy like Bishop Sankey who was coming off his rookie year, and and he was another one. You know, he was a guy some people spent the one one rookie pick on that year. Over Odell and Evan, <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Like, and and yeah. you know he had he had a rough rookie year, um, very disappointing. Did not live up to that that draft capital by any means. But he's a good example too of the, you can't stay insulated forever. Right. Well, he <laughs> you know, but this time last year, last off season, he had almost the exact same ADP as he had the year before. Wow. Um, and of course. Now this time, as we as we start these ADP drafts and and uh, and new leagues are being formed, he's he's not even on the radar. So you know he's he's probably a guy that's not even going to get drafted in in a bunch of drafts. So that first year, rookies have a grace period, I think, but after that, uh, you know, we start to lose patience. So if Aguilar has another down year this year, his price is really going to bottom out. Right, like Sankey. And I think Gordon's in that that category too. I mean, he he really left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth, and I didn't like him a lot coming out of Wisconsin. I think he's less insulated, certainly, than somebody like Perryman or Kevin White. Right, right. Well, one other guy I, I wanted to ask you about, and and you've touched on him a little bit already, is Zach Ertz. So I've seen some some other concerns, some thoughts that you know Peterson had Kelsey in in Kansas City and didn't really use him, didn't use him at least as much as, as some of us dynasty players maybe thought he should be used. Are we going to see the same thing with Ertz or is he going to, can he get more targets in this Peterson offense? Is he going to play a bigger role or, or is he going to be asked to block? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, I do think they're going to run the ball a lot like Kansas city. Um, if I'm building an NFL team, I want Kelsey every day of the week over Ertz. I mean, I like Ertz as a player, but I don't think he's close to the the, the physical talent that Kelsey is. But, you know, somebody's going to catch the ball there, and somebody's going to catch touchdowns there. He's going to play a lot of snaps. He's not devoid of talent. Uh, there, I mean, how many tight ends in the world of Dynasty do you rank ahead of him? It's a pretty bad group. I mean, obviously, Gronk, Eifert, Olsen, Reed, Kelsey – then I think you start to get in his neighborhood. Okay. Well, I was going to ask you if, if you would put him among your top five tight ends right now. No. So it sounds like maybe just on the outside looking, looking out. He's just not as gifted as those guys. I mean, they're all much better football players than him. Okay. I think, I think that's probably fair. And I'd say that's probably, probably the consensus. He's in that uh, tight end six, seven, eight range overall, which, which is probably about where he should be at this point. Yeah, that's that's uh, he's at uh, there's a line below the names I just mentioned, or there's a line below Gronk too, and then there's a line below those guys I just mentioned, and then he's in the conversation very shortly after. Okay, all right. <clears throat> well, before we uh, before we wrap up tonight, let's take a look at a couple of trades that that we've been sent. Um, you know, I, I asked for these earlier today on Twitter. I got a great response. Lots of people sending trades, and unfortunately, we can't hit them all 
uh, on our show. I will try to uh, respond via Twitter and, and share some of my thoughts about those deals. But as I was looking over those, I noticed I noticed a trend, and it's it's something that I've seen on on Twitter and and some of these other completed dynasty trades, uh, really over the past month or so. And it's Devonte Freeman being involved in quite a few trades. So um, I don't know if people are still just not believing in Freeman. If they're uh, trying to sell high, maybe they're worried about Tevin Coleman uh, seeing a larger role going forward. Um, so before I before I share these specific trades with you, uh, what do you see with Freeman? Do you think he is going to be able to maintain this production that that we saw this year, or is he in for a, a drop? It's a pretty big year. Um, I'm very much a believer in Shanahan's running a game, though, that the lead guy is going to produce. I think that offensive line should get a little better over the course of next year. Ooh, it's a tough one. I mean, because Matt Waldman said it well, and we'll get Matt on the show, I'm sure, at some point, too. He's great. You know, and, and I took his advice, and I agreed with him the minute he said it. It was right when Atlanta took Coleman. He said, boy, Freeman's a much better fit for the zone blocking scheme than Coleman. I mean, and, and I very much agree. I think Coleman's a lot like Darren McFadden. I mean, kind of an upright, long strider. Freeman fits that system very well. So I went out in the league the day after Coleman got drafted. I bought Freeman for like nothing. And then I sold him too low. I sold him in like week three this year. But I got, I know, I turned around a profit on the guy. And now you're looking at him, though, like we said earlier, he's in that, what, four, five, running back six overall range, something in that neighborhood, coming off a huge season. Not the biggest guy in the world. Um, certainly has ability, but he's not Adrian Peterson. You know, I mean, he, I mean, there's there's a, a, a ceiling he has. I would certainly entertain offers to trade him and not to trade for him, but I don't think he's a must-sell. Okay. Sense? Yeah, and I think we're probably in agreement there. I, I do have a couple of Freeman shares, and I, I would I would agree. I'm not desperate to sell him, but at the same time, if I could get – you know, if I could get one of those cornerstone wide receivers that we we talk about, I, I would do that. So let me tell you, I've got three Devontae Freeman trades. I'm assuming these are all mm. made uh, within the past couple of weeks at least. So you can tell me if you like the Freeman side or or the other side. So one was Devontae Freeman and the 3.08 rookie pick for Demarius Thomas and the 2.08 rookie pick. So... You trade away Freeman, you get Demarius, and you get a one-round upgrade in the rookie draft. Yeah, 3-8 doesn't mean anything in this deal, really. I mean, it's a throw-in. I think I want Demarius' side, but, boy, he's been playing bad football lately, too. And who's going to be his quarterback? And is he hitting that point where he's a sell also? I could make an argument either way. I hate going on the fence on these kind of deals, but I'll take Demarius and the pick. And I'll probably make another move past there. Try to get my two two eight to bump up, or field some offers for Thomas. But man, he might be the perfect buy low right now too, because he's bad this last month or so, two months. Yeah, yeah, I agree. He's, um, you know, he's a player that that would be tough to sell. Right. Sp- speaking of Thomas, would uh, tough to sell this offseason the way he the way he ended the year. Um, but he might have five really good years left. Yeah, I'm take I'm taking the Thomas side there Are as you? well. Uh, again, just really just for the, the wide receiver purposes. If I can flip a, uh, you know, a, a almost any running back for, for one of those top 10 wide receivers, I'm doing that. And, and I still think Demarius is in that, that range. Agreed. It's the bottom half of it, though, or the bottom, maybe the bottom, bottom of it. Yeah, yeah. Here's another one. This is kind of a, a, a big trade. Freeman, Brandon Marshall, and the 2.04 rookie pick. So Freeman, Marshall, and the 2.4. For Lamar Miller, John Brown, and the 112 rookie pick. I think I want the Freeman side. And you know better than I do, but it doesn't seem to me that there's a massive difference between 112 and 24 in a 12 team league. I mean, obviously, you'd rather 112, but I don't think that's light years away or a tier difference. Of course, you'd rather John Brown than Brandon Marshall, but Marshall's putting up numbers and certainly has value. And if you're a contender, you know, he's an every week start. And Devontae Freeman blows Lamar Miller out of the water for me. And I'm not buying either one. I still know where Miller's going to land. He's never been a workhorse. He's been very productive when he gets a chance. But there's a reason 
all these different coaches don't give him a workload. And all of us fantasy guys sit here miles away saying, why don't you give you know Lamar Miller 25 carries? Well, maybe he can't. You know, I mean, maybe people that know more, more about the guy and are on top of the situation have a clue what they're doing and don't do it for a reason. Yeah, exactly. We've seen we've seen multiple coaching staffs and multiple offensive coordinators um, fail to give to give Miller, you know, twenty touches a game, twenty carries a game. So, you know, like you said, maybe there is a trend there. Uh, when I'm looking at trades like this, I really, I, I really try not to do the thing where you compare the running back and compare the receiver and compare right. the pick. And you know, I, I don't think that's a great way to look at trades in general to analyze trades in this one it's almost hard not to um you've got two running backs two wide receivers and two picks right i definitely take freeman over over miller i think that's an easy one um i i don't think like you i don't think the gap is too huge between the picks um assuming assuming this is a 12 team league you know that's that's five spots not a huge deal um I might disagree on on Marshall versus Brown. You know, Brown's another guy who's older than we think. He's he's coming off his second year, but he's already, I believe, he's twenty five years old. He was a twenty four year old rookie. Um, so of course, Marshall doesn't have much time left. But I mean, he was just dominant this year. And yeah. and if he gives me another season next year as a wide receiver one, you know, in that top twelve range, I, I think it. I think I'd maybe take that over over Brown being the wide receiver two or three in Arizona. So it sounds like you take the same side of this deal as I do. And what, you know, we're going to analyze a lot of trades over the next years, I'm sure. And I look at these trades as if I don't have any clue who's on any of these people's rosters. So I'm looking at it as if it's a startup draft and you can have these three guys or these three guys. But if I'm a contender, I absolutely want the Marshall side and I might value Marshall more than Brown. If my team's really good right now, because I'm going to start them every week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely on the Freeman Marshall side there. All right, one more trade, and this one is a a, a tough one for me. Yeah, so this is a real tough one. Interested to see your thoughts, Devonte Freeman and Devonte Parker for Amari Cooper. Double down on Devontae's. Um, I'm leaning towards Cooper, but that's a man. Is the is the gap from Cooper to Parker? the fifth best running back in dynasty. <laughs> I mean, that's a, I mean, Parker's awfully good. And Gase has shown that his number one receivers are going to be studs. And I think he helps that passing game a lot. Parker showed a lot, of, you know, once he finally got on the field, but man, I have a hard time giving up Cooper in that deal. I guess I want Freeman and Parker because I think what I would do is give me Freeman and Parker. And then I go trade Freeman for, a 17, 217 first or something else. You know what I mean? I, I go get value for Freeman and I'm mad about losing Co- Cooper, but I bump down to Parker and still have a young potential stud and I go turn Freeman into something yummy. Yeah, I can, I can see that. I think I'm probably taking the Cooper side, you know, it, it, at times this, this past season, I, on Twitter, I tried to get the, uh, anything for Amari hashtag going whenever, whenever I would see an Amari Cooper trade with the mindset that, you know, you get a 21 year old rookie wide receiver and and just, you know, just name your price for him. Yeah. Right. I gave in mid season, I made a trade for him on one of my competitive teams. I traded uh, Demarius Thomas and uh, I think I gave a first round pick as well. And, you know, I got uh, laughed out of the league. Um, people saying that I gave too much, but you're going to start him every week for 12 years. With yeah. Are throwing to him. I, I was comfortable with that, with that price. Even if I overpaid, I was, I was happy to do so. Um, really love Parker too. You know, I'm, I, I live in, live in Louisville, just outside Louisville. And, and of course he played for U of L um, the way he ended the season. It, it's interesting. He ended the season on, on such a hot streak and, and his values just exploded. He's going to be a second round, uh, second round pick in these, in these dynasty drafts over the next few months. Um, you know, the numbers better than I do, but I wouldn't have a hard time taking him at one ten in a startup. Devonte Parker. Oh, I'm sorry. Cooper. Oh, okay. No, you're right. right. I, I, you're right. Sorry. Yeah. Co- Cooper's going to be a first rounder in almost yeah. every draft. But Parker's going to be in the second round. So, you know, that's – you mentioned looking yeah. at these trades from that perspective. You know, are you trading your mid-first for 
for a mid-second and, and a third-round pick, which is probably where we see Freeman go. You know, that's that's pretty good value. So that's that's a good trade. You know, maybe that's one that works out for, for both sides. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, that's a tough one. I mean, trading Cooper would be very hard for me to do, but that's a pretty legit price for him. Yeah, that's that's a strong one. So um, <clears throat> we will uh, we'll wrap it up now, and we'll be back again later this week. Just want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll see you next time.